Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Check out past episodes. Uh, past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. And before I introduce today's guest, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. And Daniel, you may be able to relate to this. If anyone out there has had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and it may be the 10th time you spent explaining it, there is a better way. The solution is Sweet Process. It's a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff, save time with existing staff. When I was talking to one of the founders, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. So, you can use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that, that eat up your precious time and your team's time so you can focus on growing your team. And there's a free 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. It's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T, process.com. I am excited to introduce today's guest, Daniel Delonc. He is Managing Director and COO of LoadB. Daniel, thanks for joining me. Hi, and thanks, and welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to... Germany, near Germany. Exactly. Um, so I'm, oh, go ahead. What does LoadB do? So LoadB is a, a company that uh, it's actually a SaaS company. So we provide uh, services uh, to our clients and uh, we do content syndication. So um, we actually put product information in different retailer stores um, and uh, help our clients to, of course, promote their products uh, with the best content they have, be it videos, be it uh, uh, virtual reality uh, and uh, 360 degrees uh, uh, GIFs and animations, uh, videos, whatever they have. So we bring that content uh, from the offline world into the online world and uh, present them with the right at the right spotlight. So give me an example. So for example, um, we work in Germany with with Otto.de, uh, which is a, a online retailer. And we uh, work with uh, with clients, and they they uh, store their product, like uh, for example, uh, um, uh, a computer, uh, and the products uh, on our web page on our platform. And we push that information through different kind of stores. So we have more than three hundred clients that put their their product informations in in our uh, database. And we have more than one thousand eight hundred retailers that we push that information towards. So um, it's a uh, it's a great way for our clients uh, to be uh, able to store and administrate once the product information and be able to push it uh, through different different shops. The benefits, of course, for the client is that they see um, uh, uh, add co- uh, additional add to cart rate, uh, in particular in the shops, but also increase in their conversion because with better content and rich content, of course, uh, in the buying process of uh, in the in the online world in the e-commerce world. The better the customers are informed, uh, the better, of course, they can make their decision. A good example, for example, is the, um, uh, the uh, let's say, an, if you have a, a, a energy bar, uh, and uh, there's of course a big difference between a cheap, a cheaper price point and a, and a high cost price point. So 
Uh, now, how you can differentiate in an online store uh, if you want to ask for a, a high price point. Uh, and of course, you need to differentiate, right? You need to help the buyer having uh, or making the right decision. So by enriching the content, enriching the decision process with the right information like images, uh, photos, videos, etc., cetera, uh, you can argue why you have uh, or ask for a higher price point. And here we really help our clients to, to promote their products in the different e-commerce shops. So on the energy bar standpoint, you have an any, let's say there's an energy, energy bar company, and then you have a partnership with maybe like whatever, 1,800, 2,000 retailers. And does that go on their online portal? Like the exactly. information for that energy goes on there. So anyone who shops for that particular store would basically going on that website shopping, and then they run across this energy bar and they can buy a box of those energy bars on that particular website. Exactly. Let, let me explain it maybe more profoundly, technically how it works. So uh, the the retailer actually pushes a, 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 a snippet, let's say, in their online store. And uh, once the client has stored the information uh, or the product information in our database, of course, via a request, we can push them that information. We call it the syndication towards uh, the retailer. And of course, uh, there's a big headache because every retailer has a different, uh, let's say, shop system, a different uh, form how to store the, the, the products. And uh, we help um, to overcome that challenge uh, for our clients, the, the brands, the, the manufacturers. So um, by having already a quite uh, a big, uh, yeah, big number of retailers attached to our database, it is of course very convenient to uh, put the the product information in our in our database. That's cool. So the client gets more product sales, um, exactly. and then the retailer do they then make a percentage? They probably decide what the pricing is be kind of like an online grocery store essentially in that in that particular case. So they would make some money as well. They'll expand their product line without having to hold inventory, and they'll make money also. Is that exactly. Right? So, so the, the challenge for the retail in particular is that uh, in some cases for certain products, uh, it costs, in the discussion with our, with our clients, let's say the, the retailers, we figured out that um, there is a huge amount of money required in order to put certain products in their shops, right? Imagine that you have to uh, collect all the product information, you need to make photos, you need to make images, you need to enrich the content, you need to put it on the web page. And of course, that's also a problem that we that we solve for the retailers by by just adding a snippet uh, in in their web shop. Uh, they can actually have read really great content to have uh, basically. I mean, to make it simple, uh, uh, they just would need to add their logo on on top of the page, and we would be able to completely fill up their their the website with with content. Do you only do this in certain countries? Uh, we do that globally. Uh, of course, we have a certain, uh, let's say, agglomeration of clients uh, in in Dach area, uh, but uh, we are on a way of of expansion. So we work with with global clients as well. Thanks for explaining. That's really cool. No, You're kind of helping awesome. me create mini Amazons, sort of. Uh, we, right? we 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 will, and we can. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I want to talk about operational excellence. You know, being. Um, COO, you know, you probably focus a lot on making sure things are running smoothly, efficiently. Um, but one of the things I know you think a lot about is that operational excellence starts with the right mindset. 
So Absolutely. what do you mean by that? Uh, in particular, if you have a small organization, so in, in my former times, I've worked for huge organization, but also there, uh, it is very important to to put uh, always everything uh, in question, meaning uh, I'm on the right path, uh, do I put the right measures in place in order to achieve operational excellence? Uh, what does actually operational excellence actually mean in, in my certain uh, environment? So uh, in, in our case, we as a SaaS company, of course, thrive for for automation, a high level of automation. Because every touch point that we do uh, helps us um, or doesn't help us actually to scale. So um, by having the right mindset, I, I mean to um, have this, let's say, that mindset of uh, making the right questions, understanding the different procedures, uh, trying to find uh, best ways or improvements that you can implement in order to really uh, be as efficient and as uh, effective as possible in order to make the, the minimum input and the maximum output. And I think it's very important from a mindset perspective uh, to really be self-reflective, self-honest as well, uh, to um, to raise the hand and say, well, this is a process which is not running efficiently, in particular, if you are in a cross scenario like like we are, because uh, of course there there it is very important to listen to your staff and 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 uh, trying implementing what what they tell you um, uh, in this uh, aspiration of 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 excellence. Expand on that for a second. So, give me an example of when in the past you've listened to staff and implemented something that has really made a difference because they're they're on the ground and they kind of know how to make things better. Absolutely, and I think um, um, there was a, a, a good uh, manager saying: uh, "Listen to your staff, listen to your clients, shut the fuck up, and do what I tell you." <laughs> and, <laughs> and I love that because it's 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 so true. That's um, the name of your new book. Pardon? No, that's the name of your next book. <laughs> Maybe. No, I I, th- I think that somebody else should write that book. Uh, yeah. So, um, but. Um, the, the thing is that, um, uh, so to give you a concrete example, um, we have organized ourselves around uh, different industries because there are uh, specifics in the different industries that, that you cannot, let's say, mix up. For example, we are working uh, heavily in, in the consumer electronics area. And here, uh, there, there are certain uh, vocabulary being used. There are certain retailers that, that are relevant. There are certain brands that are relevant. And of course, it's really important to, uh, to uh, speak their language, understanding their, their challenges. Uh, and that really varies from the different industries. And um, I was joining the, the team uh, some months ago uh, with the idea that well maybe this isn't uh, the right the right way uh, in particular to maybe uh, find new harmonization areas or maybe better synchronization maybe we should mix this up but i was uh, i was convinced that this is the wrong approach because uh, you cannot um, uh, you cannot uh, mix up different industries because they have different needs uh, they have different let's say uh, talking points and uh, for that reason it is very essential to uh, to uh, yeah, uh, to not try to implement, let's say, excellence by all means, um, but uh, to reflect uh, and according to uh, the the feedback you receive, find other ways how you can find excellence. And the excellence, of course, that we now try to achieve within the different 
let's say, focus teams, so the industry teams, is um, how we can improve the process, how we um, onboard a client, how we actually um, onboard a retailer, how we put our story in place so that they the best way can understand what we actually do and and uh, and so on so i think it's in this way it's very important to to listen to your staff uh, and trying to adapt also your decision making process one thing i want to talk about with the mindset of operational excellence is this becomes very important when a client relationship gets destroyed and gets tarnished inside one, I would love for you to walk me through a scenario where you come, the client relationship's not good and you come in. Absolutely. So, I mean, it was not in the current uh, gig, but uh, in my before, uh, let's say, working experience where, where I was asked to support a project team and the client relationship was was completely destroyed. The project was running for some months, uh, so uh, cost was completely out of control. There were no project plan in place. Uh, there was no uh, um, uh, staffing uh, in place. So you, you join in the team and you really say, well, uh, we should really start doing our homework. And I think also this has a lot to do with operational elections because at the end, it's it's all simple steps, uh, uh, small steps that you should take take in order to uh, get things done. And of course, within this difficult environment, the first task was to uh, get, let's say, the relationship with the client reactivated, uh, build up a trust level uh, in building up a confidence level with the client. So for me, uh, the, 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 the things between human beings, uh, also between client and, and supplier relationship is, of course, trust. And trust has a lot to do with uh, reliability and uh, with uh, reopening the relationship with the client and being reliable, saying this is now what's going to happen. So there will be a dip because we first need to reactivate our forces. We need to streamline our processes so that we can make a, a, a completely relaunch of the project plan. And then based on the project plan, uh, make a re reinforcement of our um, workforce in order to be able to execute the project plan accordingly. And that then also leads to a new uh, cost line for, for us as a supplier and, of course, also for the client. And I think with, with simple steps, uh, putting this into work packages uh, and, uh, and really executing um, then accordingly based on the promises and, and the plan that, that, that you have uh, designed, um, was really the key for success in order to regain trust with the client, in order to um, yeah to uh, uh, reinforce the relationship, also to build up then again a certain passion in team again. Because imagine uh, that you're working in a team that that has failed, of course, that gets a lot of pressure inside of 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 uh, uh, let's say the company, but as well as from a client side. And I think here it was really important uh, and key for success to. Uh, to uh, talk first, of course, with the client to understand his view, his needs, but as well, yeah, bring in this this mindset within the team that uh, it's not all rubbish what has been done. It's really now getting the homework done. Of course, there's a certain level of of, of work that needs to be happen, but uh, it's it's us, it's only us that we can fix the problem in front of the client. And uh, so the key was to keep the people that has been part of the project that has the knowledge but of course help them enable them in order to get the the homework done because you cannot fix a, a project that was running that let's say uh, crazy uh, by continuing without a plan without certain level of excellence yeah so it kind of starts with 
a specific plan. And in this case, you know, when a, a relationship is destroyed, basically it's tough because trust is lost at that point. So even if you put a plan in place, they may not even believe that that's going to happen. But you're saying start at least with a specific, you know, hear out all the frustrations first, put a plan in place to avoid, you know, to get past those frustrations and then slowly execute on each of those steps to build the trust back up. Is that exactly, is that right? Exactly. I mean, uh, of course, by having already a huge delay in the project plan, or let's say in the project execution, uh, it is it is really hard, of course, to catch up. So um, um, most likely, and in this case, it was really that um, that by reiterating the project plan, of course, we came up with a target delivery date, which was uh, let's say out of range for for the client in in the first place. Right, they're but already mad that, at this point. Yeah, I mean. Uh, but of course, by then reiterating this project plan with the client itself, because of course, in this kind of projects, you always have, uh, let's say, also a kind of a cooperation method or cooperation working method in order to be able to succeed. So uh, with iterating this project plan together with the client, let's say, let them understand what are our restrictions in terms of maybe staffing, knowledge, uh, what is their uh, uh, desperately needs, what is their limitations, because also, of course, they also have their, let's say, their, their targets to achieve. Uh, by putting all these things on the plate uh, and working together to uh, build up a new joint project plan, and uh, and then letting let, let, let let's say uh, making this new plan revised plan the new bible for the project, and really executing then according to like, according to this project plan. Of course, there will be always adaptation in a huge complex project uh, going forward, but always being transparent, honest. Uh, concrete, trustful, uh, um, uh, and executing this project plan is uh, uh, and, and was key for success in order to rebuild the trust, but also in order to be able to execute the project accordingly. Because at the end, uh, when I was joining, everybody was shouting against each other, right? So the client was shouting, uh, you fucked up the project. <laughs> Uh, people was uh, shouting, well, uh, it was the other's fault. So at the end, uh, it was not a very constructive uh, uh, um, mindset. It comes to mindset into play. And I was breaking this up uh, and reopening uh, the, the talks because at the end, uh, it was obvious that without talking and without putting the facts together, uh, you can't get out of the situation. And uh, I think that was key, really, putting putting the facts together, working together as a joint team, uh, knowing what has been the mistakes, uh, but then also working against together to re-emphasize, to reiterate the plan and then executing accordingly to the joint agreements. Uh, I think that that yeah. rebuild the trust and also uh, lead to uh, a certain level of, of excellence by, by really um, yeah, executing then the project plan accordingly. That makes sense, Daniel. You know, I like what you said there because, you know, when emotions are running high to lower the whole everyone's stress and emotions, it sounds like you bring in the facts, like here's what was done, here's what was not done, and you kind of lay them out in an objective fashion. So it ta- it helps take some of the emotion out of it and just helps to actually have something constructive to lay out a plan with as opposed to just yelling or blaming 
I guess you could say. Exactly. And it was obvious that there are certain bandwidth uh, within our teams um, and there are certain, let's say, need in order to, um, let's say, switch certain workloads from, uh, let's say, one location to another location. And I think um, that was really uh, also uh, um, not only the key, it was uh, the only way in order to make transparent to the client, yes, there has been mistakes done by ourselves. We have completely, let's say, misframed the, the, the project. But now with all the bringing the facts together, this is what we are capable of doing because you also, the client needs to, to put their, their piece of it. And that's the, 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 the maximum we can really achieve uh, in a certain time frame. And by, by putting that together uh, and uh, by realizing that from, from our supplier side, but as well from a client side, uh, really is putting the emotions out and putting the facts in. And I think that that often helps. In particular, also, if you think about process improvements or process uh, excellence, because at the end, of course, there's always somebody that may shout out or, or say that, that the process is not running smoothly. But at the end, if you put the facts together and say, look, that are the facts, that's the process duration time, that's the touch points required in the process, that's uh, the, the cost of a process or whatever it, it is uh, in, in terms of quantifiable uh, KPIs, then you can start improving it. So there's um, uh, you cannot improve what you cannot measure uh, in a certain way. I have one last question, Daniel. Um, you know, my question is this, and then I want to point people towards they could find out more about you and the company. But my last question is about, you know, whether it's about mindset or operations, I would love to hear some of your favorite resources, whether it be books or people or podcasts or whatever it is on what are your favorite resources for more information around operational excellence slash mindset. Before you answer that, where should we point people towards online to learn more about you and the company? So uh, our webpage is uh, load B, uh, like, like the B and load.com. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, always uh, available via LinkedIn. So you can uh, search on LinkedIn uh, for Daniel DeLank, uh, Daniel, like Daniel and DeLank, D-E-L-A-N-K. And I would be happy to to support. Um, and uh, well, in particular, let's let's focus on, on the mindset topic as this is a little bit my, my passion all about. I think there's a great book out there which I can highly recommend uh, from Carol Dweck, uh, Growth Mindset, and that. Uh, oh yeah, total Carol Dweck. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And 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 I I I I love that book so much because it it really uh, is one of my core beliefs. So stay open, uh, try to uh, adapt without uh, fearing of failure, uh, because at the end, I mean, we are all human beings. In particular, also in this pandemic that we are all in there's no right or wrong in a, in a in a certain sense so we are all in need to adapt uh, and uh, by led by fear is a wrong let's say uh, uh, not a good advice so i think you should make the best choice the best decision that you can with the certain point in time with the information that you have available of course you should ask uh, questions and question uh, uh, about uh, the the current situation. Maybe if if the data points that you have are available, are the right ones. But once you need to take a decision, and it's better to have a, a fast failure instead of running maybe one or two months into the wrong direction. Uh, and I think that's something that has shown us this kind of pandemic uh, that uh, it is very essential to 
to make decisions fast. Uh, uh, acknowledge if you have run a mistake. I think that's also something which uh, we should see much more often. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's a book that I can highly recommend, uh, of course. Any others that you like? Um, uh, well, of course, um, there is uh, autobiographies that, that I highly can recommend. Uh, I think that's something that you always can uh uh, can uh, read and I think you can extract a lot. Uh, so uh, Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson is something that I, I very liked um, and uh, I, I have uh, read. Um, and there is a book from um, Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft that uh, I'm currently reading. Uh, I would need to check the title, but uh, yeah. that's a book that... People can look it up. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's also a, a book that uh, I at least started to read. I'm mid through, and I, I really like the story behind behind the change yeah. uh, in, in Microsoft. Thanks for sharing that. I love hearing resources. Growth mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, losing your virginity by uh, losing my virginity by um, Richard Branson, and the C, the other one by Microsoft uh, CEO of Microsoft. I love that because it's it's amazing, Daniel, that for like twenty bucks. You can basically learn from all of their life experience Absolutely. Uh, and it's remarkable. You know, like my favorite, well, the Steve Jobs, I think Walter Isaacson wrote the, the one on Steve Jobs and there's, there's so many other ones out there. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Check out more episodes of the podcast, check out lowb.com. Uh, and Daniel, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jeremy. And it was a pleasure being with you. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my